Hello and welcome to episode 151 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always. Uh, and I'm actually getting a complex because uh, my two co-hosts do not want to come over to the house anymore. They just stay on Zoom. So here we go. It's Brandon and Ricardo. Hey, guys. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy. Yeah, there's no odor when we're on Zoom. That's true. Dang, that's messed up. No, I, I was on. I was fully on board to get there today, but I'm I'm happy to be here. What's up, Jeremy? What's up, Ricardo? Yeah, you know, uh, Jart, um, we don't get a lot of snow and ice around here, but when we do, it's always treacherous. So I appreciate you extending the Zoom invitation out for us because, uh, you know, I went out this morning and it took me 20 minutes to get back here in one for one mile. So oh, wow. just the. Yeah, you no, know, be- better safe than sorry. I'm just giving you guys yeah. a hard time. Yeah, we know. We know. Me I mean, time. like an excuse. Only in Washington can you have to do a Zoom meeting because of smoke and fires in the summer and ice and snow in the winter, right? right. It's true, man. And uh, I saw a lady, uh, one of the newscasters this morning doing a, um, like a live broadcast. It might have been last night, actually, but... Uh, there's a clip of it doing a live broadcast from out in the streets of Seattle. And she had a ruler uh, uh, putting it down on the ground to measure the snow. And there was like a trace of like people in other parts of the country would just laugh at us. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's the terrain around here. And then the, the, you know, when it gets down in the twenties and it freezes, it's just uh, really, you know, I'm, I'm not so much worried about me hitting somebody, but I'm just worried about, people are always in a hurry you know me i'm never in a hurry so right well anyway if you guys could listen to this podcast we would appreciate it you can like share rate review all that good stuff uh really anywhere that uh, podcasts are available i think you can only rate though on spotify and apple Podcasts. so so do that for us we would appreciate it uh we have a great guest this week guys i've been wanting to get this uh gentleman on the show for a while now he's uh his name's Sean Costello. He this guy keeps it real, man. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that, put that out there. Like he he, there's no uh, he he. You know, we were kind of going back and forth before the interview, and he's just like, well, you know, what exactly you want to talk about? I kind of explained the how the show works and everything, and um, he's like, all right, anything you don't want to talk about? And I'm like, I usually I ask you guys, you know, the people I'm talking to, if there's anything you don't want to talk, don't want me to bring up. And he's just like, no, nah, man, I'm I'm an open book, so. We got into some, yeah, some pretty heavy stuff that uh, he went through both before and after his, uh, after his accident. Um, you know, uh, I, I was, I was pretty surprised and I thought it was a, a great conversation. I think he like, you know, the, so he deals with, you know, he's dealt with a lot of drug addiction in his, in his time, both in a wheelchair and out of a wheelchair. I think that's like such an important topic to, to broach too, because like, especially like, if you get injured and you have a drug problem, like they're going to just feed you pills until you can't, I mean, for the most part, until, you know, until you can't take them anymore. And like, he got to the point where he was on heroin because he couldn't afford the pills anymore and they wouldn't give them anymore. And, you know, you hear about this stuff with able-bodied people all the time, um, you know, let alone dealing with it in a wheelchair. So um, yeah. What did you, what did you guys think? I thought it was pretty illuminating, Jeremy. And uh, again, his honesty and frankness, I think will hopefully help a lot of people that hear this, right? And, you know, 
a lot of us think that, you know, that that only happens to other people, right? You know, in almost every case, right, that we talk to everybody is, is that, you know, they never envision themselves being in this situation, right? right. Never, you know, thought of themselves being disabled. And, um, you know, and so when you carry on with your life, you know, it changes drastically one day. And whether you're a rocket scientist or a drug addict, your life has changed dramatically, you know. But in his case, he lost a lot more, I think, because he lost all those friends. You, you To break drugs, you have to lose all the people you know, right? And I think we know that because we've seen, had people in our family that, you know, can't hang out with those people because it's not good for you, you know? So not only has he lost his ability, his mobility, you know, and then suffered with depression and stuff, it's you, you lose all the people that you know, all the contacts, everybody you hung out with, your whole social circle, right? Yeah. But, but they're not helping you anyhow. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's a loss, but it's not, it's, it's a loss for the good, you know, and, 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 you know, and he keeps, uh, punching it so yeah I'll keep punching yeah. i like that yeah That's his motto uh you know he's got got t-shirts and he hasn't started he hasn't tried to sell them yet though i know you'll you'll hear about it in the in the uh podcast interview there but um yeah brandon i mean brandon me and you i mean our you know our brother matt is, is battled addiction um thank god you know he didn't like i mean sean od'd man like in a wheel, like he OD'd after a spinal cord injury. That's crazy. It's, uh, well, I'm just, <clears throat> I'm really happy that we finally, I, I guess I'm not happy about it, but, you know, we hadn't touched on this subject yet. Um, I don't believe so, right, Jeremy? And um, drug addiction just really doesn't discriminate at all. <laughs> and it, it's, affects, it's affected so many people, um, regardless of their situation. And oddly enough, I'm just like thinking about like somebody obviously like he can't shoot heroin by himself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, somebody, somebody, Oh, somebody OD'd him. And you know, that's not their fault. That's, you know, his fault. And I'm sure he would own up to that, but it's like, you know, Ricardo's right like these aren't this is a an addition by subtraction by getting and maybe potentially that might have been the best thing that could have happened to him but um it's just crazy how his story is very similar to to yours Jeremy and I feel like probably we would have been buddies with him in high school or something like you know like yeah. the path that that we were all headed down and could have ended up and I'm just so thankful because I just don't know what, why we were lucky enough to, to, to dodge that bullet, man. Right. So that's what I was saying is, yeah, like our, our brother, Matt, like he, you know, me and you were able to stop with weed and like, yeah, I don't know. I did mushrooms a couple times and that's like the only drugs I've done. I mean, and I don't even really consider, I don't consider weed a drug, but um, you know, some people just some, for some people it is a gateway drug. Some people it's not. I mean, um, I think it just kind of depends on, on the type of personality you have. Maybe like, you know, they say that addictive personality can run into your family. You know, my parents dealt with addiction. So, um, but yeah, I mean, thank God, like, you know, and like I, I mentioned in the, 
the interview, Brandon, we, we know somebody like the guy that was driving the other car that was like with us the night of my accident, his little brother just over. I mean, I'm still not sure. I mean, I'm assuming he overdosed, Do you know, for sure, Brandon, is that what happened? I don't, I don't know. I'd hate to speculate, but probably. Yeah. 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 Well, you, just, know, you know, as a... yeah, we're, we're lucky that, yeah. I mean, and we like Willie Frank, the third, like he talks openly about his battle with, with uh drugs as well and i mean you know and he had a like he had a great i mean i don't know like I, obviously everybody deals with different stuff but willie had a pretty good life growing up like uh at least like he wasn't you know like didn't come from a, a low-income background or anything like that and like had pretty much every opportunity in front of him and still got caught up i mean it just it doesn't like you guys said it doesn't discriminate Thank God that Sean didn't die. Thank God, you know, our, our loved ones that we, that we have didn't, didn't pass away. And um, it's just such a slippery slope, man. Well, as, as a, as a good, good friend of mine and maybe my brother once said, don't cheat on Mary Jane <laughs> and uh, have all the pot you want, but don't cheat on Mary Jane. Cause that drove him down a road. He didn't want to go down either. So yeah. Um, you know, and, and it does, like you said, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. Um, it's something that you deal with every day. And, and it would have been interesting to find out if Sean um, still has the cravings. Cause I know that there are people that wake up every morning and even though they're leading their, their, their life and they're going to their work and everything, but it, you know, pops into their head is what I've heard. You know, it's like, man, it, when things get rough, boy, it sure would be good to get a little hit of that or a little hit of that, you know? So, uh, yeah. I so, I, so I, cause I think, I think you never really get over it. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I know. I know yeah. my brother, Matt has told me before I've heard him say like that. I, I don't know how he described, I forget how exactly how he described it, but this was like years after um, he had been through, you know, rehab and clean and sober and everything. And like, he described like the way it made him feel in like such a glowing way that you still, I mean, I'm sure any, and yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he said that it like a first kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that, man. I, but yeah, you know, I really appreciate Sean coming on and being willing to be so open. And, and like you said, Ricardo, yeah, I think it's, it can really help other people that, that maybe are dealing with it and don't know, don't have like an out outlet or like haven't heard of another person in this situation that's dealing with stuff like that. Um, I know Eric Hawk as well from Portugal, the man is pretty open about uh, his battles with addiction as well. And we've talked about him coming back on to, to chat about that also. So hopefully we can do that again here in the near future, but yeah, well, let's, let's get to the, uh, before we give up too much about the, uh, the interview, let's get to that. And we will uh, talk to you guys on the other side. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, I'm super excited to, to interview this guy. I've uh, been following him for a little while. His name's Sean Costello. He is a spinal cord injury survivor, a father, and and just really like an all-around inspiration uh, through his videos and his workouts and stuff like that. Uh, Sean, welcome, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't already follow you or, or know your story, uh, will you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you suffered a spinal cord injury? 
Yeah, I was, uh, it was November 10th, 2013. I was, uh, uh, in a long-term relationship with my son's mother and things just weren't working out. And, you know, after six, seven, eight, nine years, I was, I was done with it. I was calling it quits. Uh, she had her apartment. I had my house. We're going through a breakup. Uh, the buddy calls and it's like, Hey, what's going on? You want to, want to go out tonight? Want to hit the bar? Uh, I was like, no, not really. I want to stay in. Don't feel like, you know, having people over, uh, the next thing I know, about like 40 minutes later, I hear a boom, boom, boom at my front door. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, okay, answer it. And it's my buddy, Matt. And he's like, look, I'm not taking no for an answer. You've been in the house. Yeah, you know, you guys are breaking up. But uh, I'll take you out. I'll buy, you know, all the alcohol. I have women at the bar already waiting. At this time, I didn't have a license because uh, I just got an OVI. So I lost my license. Uh and I was like, you know what? Okay, sure. Why not? You know, buddy comes over, wants to take me out. Sure. Let's go. We uh, end up going to the bar. Long story short, we stay there. The bar closes. Uh, we leave. So I think it's like 1, one thirty, maybe 2 in the morning. Uh, get in the car, drive home. Uh, then I remember, I remember bits and pieces. I remember leaving the bar. I remember him doing a burnout. Uh going on the main drag outside the bar. Uh, then I remember turning left onto the state route I lived on. Uh, then I remember coming to a stoplight and the light turns green and he just guns it. Uh, and like we're gaining speed, gaining speed. And I'm like, all right, all right, slow down. Like, cause I knew the road and I knew, you know, there was down a, a, a hill and it kind of turned a little bit. So I was like, all right, slow down. I'm like, Matt, slow down. Then, you know, I'm screaming at Matt. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss or not, but stop the effing car. Yeah. Uh, and next thing I know, you know, it was too late. The car kicked sideways. He lost control. And I, last thing I said was, oh shit. And I remember hitting slide the car sliding out of control. We hit the guardrail. And I remember, hitting the guardrail and I remember flipping once. Then the next thing I know, I woke up in ICU a couple days later. Damn. Couldn't talk, couldn't, you know, couldn't remember anything, had no recollection of what happened. Uh, I just knew something happened because, you know, my real brothers and sisters are there. My mom and dad are there uh, in there. They kind of, you know, told me you were involved in an accident. Uh, and I didn't know, like, the extent of it because I was out of it. Uh, and they told me, you know, you broke your neck and you became paralyzed. And it still didn't dawn on me, like, what really happened? Uh, so, yeah, that's how that's how I uh, got injured. Man, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that brings back memories, man. It's like very similar to to my story as well. Um, you know what? So, what level uh, injury are you? I am a C three C four. So that's uh, if you don't know about a spinal cord injury, that that's a very high level injury. Uh, you have your C one, then you have your C two, then C three, C four, C five, C six, and it goes on down. Uh. But yeah, my my injury is C three, C four. It's uh, 
I'm an incomplete quadriplegic. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's bordering on like uh, ventilator levels too, right? I know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was, I yeah. was close too. Um, and so I, I see, uh, so you, you're in the hospital, like, do you know, like, how long are you in the hospital, like getting everything, um, you know, having them stabilize you before you're able to go to rehab? And then, um, you know, where, where did you go through, through your rehab at? Uh, I was in the hospital. I was in ICU for about a for about three weeks. Then I transitioned to a long term acute aftercare uh, at Bethesda North, and I was there for six months, seven months, seven months, seven seven and a half months. Uh, I was on the ventilator. I you know had a halo. I had a collapsed lung, punctured lungs. Uh, I had sepsis. Uh, uh, bronchoscopies because my lungs kept collapsing. Uh, on a ventilator, I was trached, hooked a machine breathing for me. Uh, then after all that, after I got off the ventilator, because uh, the big part was I couldn't find a rehab facility that would accept people on ventilators, and that was the biggest one of the biggest issues I was having was I couldn't get off the ventilator to breathe on my own. Uh, eventually I did, and I went to uh, Chicago at RIC for rehab. Now it's called like uh, Shirley Ryan something, but uh, yeah, I went to RIC for, for rehab, spent nine weeks there, uh, rehab, you know, five, six hours a day and uh, all that. So in total, it was about, it was about nine, nine and a half months I spent in the hospital, in ICU, in a long-term acute aftercare, and two months uh, doing rehab, then came home. Wow, wow, yeah. man! You really went through the gauntlet of all the all the shit that can go wrong in uh, yeah. a spinal cord injury, man. Um, but hey, you know, I'm sure you're stronger for it at this point. Um, you, you know, so yeah, like so transitioning out of you know, cause like we all, I think we all get in that bubble, um, you know, like that rehab bubble or just like the hospital where you're like, you know, anything goes wrong. Like there's you know, a ton of people there that can help and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, you kind of have that yanked out from under you when you, when you go home and, um, you know, so when you do transition back, back home, um, are you going back to like the house you lived in prior? Are you having to live, move in with family? Like, um yeah how's that how does that all work for you well uh before my injury I lived lived in a two-story house with uh my girlfriend at the time and we broke up she got an apartment I stayed in the house uh so yeah it was a two-story house and you know there was no ramps no anything uh you know uh transitioning home was beyond scary we didn't have an accessible car how am i gonna get home from chicago uh so yeah, yeah and, how, was, and how far yeah how far is chicago from like where where are you located at or where where were I, you i'm located i was i was located in cincinnati right by king's island at the time okay. uh so it was about five hours oh. about five probably five hours to chicago and uh yeah it was uh a lot of you know family members my dad my 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 aunt did a lot of uh research i mean 
because, you know, when you're in the rehab facility, yeah, all the doctors and nurses and rehab facility people can tell you, you know, and give you pamphlets and all that. But in the end, it doesn't really help. Uh, so we had to do a lot of, you know, a lot of the legwork on our own, finding organizations who will build a ramp or donate a ramp or people who have ramps to get you in the house. Uh, luckily, we found an organization. It was called People Helping People working, people helping, no, people working cooperatively. Uh, they came out, installed a ginormous, like, 14-foot aluminum ramp uh, free of charge. And as long as, you know, I needed it, I could uh, keep it with no charge. They set it up for me and everything. Uh, then throughout the process, we found a company called Mobility Works. A lot of people that have spinal cord injuries or in wheelchairs probably know the company. Uh, they sell accessible uh, vans and all that. Uh, so we contacted them, and luckily one of the sales guys was nice enough to say, here's the keys. Go pick your son up. Uh, when you come back, just drop it off to us, and we're not going to charge you. So wow. that was uh, that was awesome. So when I got home, uh, the ramp was there. Uh, we still had to figure out, you know, I couldn't get upstairs because there's stairs. So I had to move my bedroom to the middle of the living room uh, and dining room area. Then figure out, you know, supplies and where to go and what to do and set up doctor's appointments and, you know, the literally the million things you have to do when you come home, where are you going to get supplies at? How, what doctors, all the appointments, all the medicine, all the medications. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a lot. It, yeah, no doubt, man. That's uh, yeah. that, that's especially having to deal with that, you know, five hours away from trying to deal with all that stuff from five hours away from home. Uh, oh yeah. Set up to go back, man. It's gotta be, that's a hell of a, hell of a challenge, man. But, uh, yeah, you know, and what, I guess what, I don't know how old your son is at this time, but like what, I mean, that's got to be some, some major added stress, uh, you know, that a, a lot of people aren't, you know, I guess they're, it's kind of hit or miss. Like, you know, some people get injured early and don't have children yet. Some people get injured later and do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like, what, what's that like in, in your head? Like, what are you thinking? Like, how am I going to, you know, help raise my son or like what? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to what that process is like for you. Just it mentally. Was, it was, uh, when I was in the long-term acute aftercare at Bethesda North, my, my son and, uh, his mother came to visit me, you know, but, uh, it was, uh, it was hard. Cause at first, you know, my son didn't want to come near me cause I'm, hooked in machines and you know got this big metal thing drilled in my skull so it it took uh it took some time for him to know like that's that's my dad uh and you know he was I would just turn 23 at the time it was two months after my 23rd birthday and uh two months after his third birthday I got injured so he was three years old at the time so you know a three-year-old doesn't understand like you know, I can't move. I'm very badly injured. Uh, 
so yeah, it took uh, it took it took a toll. Uh, you know, him seeing me, him coming in the room. Eventually, he realized, you know, that's dad. He's good. He would crawl up in bed and read a book and drink his bottle and all that. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was hard. Not just how am I going to fend for you know my child? How am I going to fend for myself? How am I going to you know relive? How am I going to you know survive? Just everything. I mean, I had a long a long nine months to think about things, uh, how my life was before just everything. So I couldn't even imagine that added stress. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's enough dealing with, uh, just having this life changing thing happen to you while you're going through rehab and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life and all that stuff. And then you had to add that in on top of it, man. It's got, yeah, it's a hell of a journey you've been on Sean. Yeah. Luckily I had, a I had, you know, good, good support because I got injured in November. So coming up was Christmas and, you know, I had family members bring in a small Christmas tree and wrap presents and go out and get presents and all that. So at least I still had Christmas, but it was hard, you know, seeing, you know, your child opening up gifts and wanting to play and, you know, wanting to play with you and you can't, I mean, you can't even breathe on your own let alone, you know, pick up a toy and play with the kids. So a lot of, lot, lot of, lot of long, long dark nights for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can only imagine well, that kind of leads me to my next couple of questions about um, kind of depression. And I, and I know you were pretty open, um, which is one of the things that really drew me to, to want to have you on the show uh, just through your, your social media posts and stuff. Like you, you talk about that you, um, dealt with drug addiction uh, in your earlier years. And I, I don't know like how, if you were still addicted to drugs when you got hurt or if you're still using drugs or if you'd already gotten off of them. And then like if that, you know, if you were off of them, if that like triggered you to want to use again after your injury, cause, uh, such a traumatic thing happening to you. You know, uh, yeah, it started with smoking weed you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Then uh, once I moved to Cincinnati, that in eighth grade, the start of eighth grade, that's when, you know, really started started experimenting, I guess, if you want to call it. Uh, I'm not even going to say gateway drugs or any of that crap, but started smoking weed, then hanging around the wrong people, then sneaking out and drinking. And it led to uh, trying mushrooms. Then it led to doing acid. Then it led to, you know, ecstasy, then taking like clodopins, then it went to clodopins and Xanaxes, and then after, you know, Xanaxes and all that, uh, one day I was, I was probably 17, 18 at the time, I might have been 18, and uh, Buddy was like, hey, you want to, want to try a Percocet. I'm like, well, what's Percocet? He said a pain pill. And he said, dude, I did one at work, buddy. Split one in half and it was the best thing ever. Well, I was like, sure, why not? And that was all she wrote. Uh, started doing pain pills and it just snowballed uh, to, you know, doing cocaine and doing crack and then doing meth and doing heroin. And then pain pills became too expensive. And, you know, what's next? next best thing 
is heroin. It's a lot cheaper, a better high. Uh, so after doing pain pills for, you know, a couple years, uh, it was went to heroin. Then, you know, with heroin, then it comes methamphetamine. Uh, so yeah, it was for many years, many years, even, uh, before the accident, like I was big into pills. I was big into pain pills for a while. Then it, you know, switched to heroin, then it, heroin and meth and all that. So, uh, yeah, for a long time, you know, I fought drug addiction, even after my injury. I mean, I spent almost a year in the hospital fighting for my life, uh, broke my neck, became a quadriplegic. And when I came home from the hospitals, I went back to my old life. I went back to hanging out with the wrong people. I went back to selling drugs. I went back to using drugs when uh, eventually, I think a year, year after coming home, I overdosed on heroin. And that was the last time I ever did drugs. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It started with, Started with losing a, uh, a lot of, lot, a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of, lot of, a lot of people have died. So, yeah, yeah. over overdosed on heroin at my buddy's house. Uh, woke up to the nurse uh, giving me a sternum rub and said, "Sean, you overdosed on heroin." And then I said, "I'm sleeping." She said, "No, no, you have to go to the hospital." And uh, that was the last time I ever touched drugs. Oh, good for you, man, to be able to get off of that. That's, that's a, that's a tough thing. I know I've, I've had family members, uh, dealing with that for, with, with addiction for a long time. I know a friend, I just heard, uh, last night that a friend, uh, from high school's younger brother just, I mean, he died. I'm, I'm, he's been battling drug addiction for a number of years. I'm assuming that he died of a drug overdose, but I don't know for sure yet. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's this, yeah, this stuff's terrible. And, and I can't imagine with, you know, like when you, at least, yeah, I got injured in 98. I'm, and, and I know that like the, the prescription pain thing, like they had really like kind of ta- uh, put a, put a stop to a lot of that. Cause they were just giving out pills like crazy back then. And yeah, for, for a guy battling addiction to just be able, you know, they're handing you pills and stuff, I'm sure. And especially keeping you probably pretty drugged up in the hospital because of all the pain you were probably in. That's just a recipe for disaster, man. Like, thank God. Oh yeah. Thank God you were able to, uh, to get off of all that, man. Congratulations for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then about, you know, the hospitals. Yeah. I, I literally had a whiteboard, uh, of anything I wanted. It was a cocktail of literally anything I wanted when I was in the hospital. I remember, saying, I want this, 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 and this, and they would put it in the IV, and 10 minutes later, I'd throw up because it was just so, it was a concoction of so much shit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, when I came home, I was on fentanyl patches and all that and got off all that, but still, you know, uh, still went back to the streets and hanging around the wrong people and the wrong so-called friends and went back to my old life. So, Man. yeah, it's... uh it's, well, at least, it's, yeah. Thank God you're able to turn things around, man, and uh, and yeah, get off of all that stuff. And, and that, they say that's like the hardest thing is, uh, 
you know, heroin or, or those, or the prescription pills are like the hardest thing to get off of. So yeah, thank God you're able to do that. Well, and then the other thing I know um, you've talked a lot about depression and I think we all uh, after a spinal cord injury deal with a lot of, you know, at some point it's going to hit you. Like you can, you can be, you know, put a smile on all that stuff at at some point, like this is such like a life altering injury that there's, you just can't help, but to, to get down a little bit, Um, you know, talk about your, your battles with depression and, uh, and just kind of how you overcame some of those things. I, uh, my battles with, you know, depression and mood swings and all that started, God, I think I was 15, 15, yeah, probably 14, 15. Uh, been battling it for a very long time. Uh, in my younger years, in and out of psych wards, uh, talking to therapists, you know, getting on all the antidepressants and all that crap. Uh, and I remember, you know, being in, being in my teens, I was so, so knocked out from all the uh depression pills that you know i would pee the bed i'd wake up in the middle of night i'd be so out of it thinking you know i'm in the bathroom and i'll just piss the bed wake up and run to the bathroom uh or the time that really made me stop and say you know what i don't i don't need therapists i don't need all this medicine was uh took a bunch of seroquel uh i was prescribed at the time and thought I was peeing in the toilet, but I was peeing in the trash can next to the toilet because I was I was so out of it. And that was the day I said, you know what, no more pills. Uh, I'm going to try to do this on my own. And every day is a battle. Every day is a struggle, especially, you know, having a spinal cord injury and relying on people to do literally everything for you. Uh, so it's hard. I mean, it, it's definitely hard after a spinal cord injury. Uh, because yeah, your life's completely changed. You rely on people to do everything for you. Mm. Uh, especially in my situation, you know, not having use of my arms and hands, like, yeah, that, uh, that kind of, not just as like a guy, but as a person in general, that, uh, that will eat, eat you up knowing somebody has to cook your food, knowing somebody has to clean up after you, knowing somebody has to give you a drink wipe your mouth uh, if you spill food on you just um, literally a million things that people don't think about uh so yeah it's definitely hard i still have my days uh just like anybody else so yeah yeah it's it's definitely hard uh, do you do any kind of like counseling or talk to any uh like um i don't know if you want to call a psychologist or counselor or whatever No, you know, I haven't did that in a lot of years just because, you know, all the counselors and therapists and psychologists and shockwave treatments and doctors and all the stuff I've I've been through, uh, you know, I I don't want to talk to somebody to have them not to say judge or criticize me because, you know, they don't, but they do. Uh, because we're all human, you know, whether they want to admit it or not. And, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm big into not wanting to take, 
you know, uh, medicine. I don't, I really don't even like taking Tylenol just from all the, the drug use and pills I used to take. Uh, so yeah, I know to answer your question. No, I don't. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I manage. <laughs> right. Right. You know, my, you know, my thought is always like, I don't either, but, uh, my thoughts always like that. I'd like to talk to somebody that can relate to what I'm going through. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know that like, and I don't know if you want to call it an able-bodied, uh, counselor can really like appreciate like what, what, uh, somebody in our situation is dealing with. But, um, I know like, so I, uh, somebody I've had on the podcast a couple of times uh, and I consider him a friend, uh, Cesar Flores, he's actually going to school and is trying to become a counselor psychologist to, to help folks that are are dealing with spinal cord injuries uh specifically which i thought was pretty cool so that, that's very cool yeah um well yeah man um you know moving on to like some some more like uh, uh happier i guess kind of uh topics um <laughs> right. i know you uh you you always uh put hashtag keep punching in, in your a lot of your posts and i see you know you got t-shirts that say you know keep punching uh, you know, where does that kind of motto come from? Like, where did that, that start for you? You know, that started for me, uh, a couple of years ago, just because I've, you know, seen people that come out like my buddy, Sean Whalen's, he's got lines, not sheep or my buddy Dakota Myers. He's got own the dash in clothing. Uh, and you know, I wanted to, uh, come up with something that, you know, reflects all the crap I've been through and will continue to go through in life and I thought of you know why not keep punching because throughout life guess what you got to keep punching regardless what you go through like you could break your neck you can lose you know a, a family member a child a dog you can have depression you could be on the verge of suicide drug addiction whatever it is uh but you know and then you, you got to keep punching you got to keep moving forward like regardless, regardless what life throws at you, like life has threw me a shit curveball for sure, for sure, like no doubt about it. But like I don't know, through nine years of being injured, there's a lot of people I've met who are in wheelchairs or disabled that give up, uh, or you know, don't go out or think just because they got injured their life's over, and that's not the case. So that's kind of why, you know, I put hashtag keep punching because you got to keep punching. You got to keep moving forward. You got to. That's the only thing you can do. I mean, as much as as much as I would love to drive my chair into oncoming traffic or roll right in the pond right by my house, that's that's not going to fix anything. So, yeah, like. I love so, it. Yeah. I love the message for sure. You definitely should. Uh, yeah, man, we get you a website and start selling those, man. So you, you know, I've tried. Uh, I, I had I looked up uh, uh, trademarks a couple years ago. Had an attorney do that, and it was already trademarked. So uh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna write a book. I was gonna do I was gonna do a lot with it. Uh, but now that it's you know been trademarked. I, I kind of can't. And a lot of people know me for hashtag keep punching. Uh, and people are like, well, just change it, just change it. And it's, you know, 
it's kind of not that easy. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people know me for hashtag keep punching. So, yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's a bummer that it got trademarked, but uh, yeah, that's still, man. I love, I love the, I love the message for sure. Um, you you know, I I see that you uh, like looking back through like your Facebook and Instagram posts. I, I saw, um, not too long ago, you got to try out um, the like you've, you've done some cool stuff like uh, with with uh, like, I know you you do pretty hardcore rehab. Um, at least I like, get it. Get, they get you up uh, like kind of at the the standing uh, at the bars or whatever. It wasn't even like at a standing frame, which I thought was pretty cool. But then also I saw you using uh, like this robot arm with like a sip and puff system hook up to it. Um, which was wild, man. Like I like, tell me about that a little bit. I've never even, uh, it was basically, you were using it to like, I, one of the videos that you, it, that you had the arm pick up a soda or something or some kind of drink and bring it up to your mouth so you could take a drink of it. Uh, yes. That, that yeah, was l- rad, man. Like where, yeah. What was that all about? Luckily, uh, through OSU and Martha Morehouse where I've done therapy at, I was, uh, Luckily, uh, luckily and thankful enough to uh, try this remote control uh, arm that could attach to my wheelchair. And it's literally a robot arm that could pick stuff up for me, open doors, open cabinets. Uh, if I'm ever at Kroger's, you know, uh, pick something up off the shelf and put it in my cart. Pick something up if it fell off the ground. Uh, I've never in nine years, you know, actually gave myself a drink. I've always had other people do it for me. So this time I was able to use the uh, robot arm through my wheelchair uh, and control it through my wheelchair to pick up a pop and bring it to me. And I took a drink on my own. So, yeah, it was uh, it was very, very cool. It was very cool. Unfortunately, uh insurance didn't approve it and i don't have like 50 grand out of pocket to pay for it so yeah in our situations uh i've learned you know if it's got a disabled sticker on it it's you know 10 20 30 times the cost no man i'll tell yeah i'm telling then you have insurance companies who are like oh we'll pay for it for you know whether it's supplies or whatever oh we'll pay for it for this month the next month they don't pay for it so it's always a battle with insurance on what they approve what they don't and all that crap yeah man i know i know everybody can probably relate to that that's listening right now that has a spinal cord injury you just have to yeah there's so many hoops you have to jump through with uh with with insurance companies i just like literally just yesterday or the day before yesterday i mean uh got approved for a new wheelchair that i've been trying to get for like 11 months like and it's oh. and it's been like six years you know they're supposed to give you a new wheelchair every five years it's been like six and a half years something like that so like they should have just approved it and been gone on with it but they still make you jump through oh you got to go to the doctor and get this filled out and then oh, oh yes they didn't fill that out right so we need you to fill this other form out and then yeah, yes it's, it's insane but, but but like i like i like to say never take no for an answer no nope, never take no for an answer if you get denied keep keep putting the paperwork in, keep going back to the doctors, keep going back to the wheelchair clinics and keep hitting people up. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Never take no for an answer. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it can be daunting sometimes, but you just got to stick with it. So yes. Yeah. Good. Well, Hey, the one last thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, Sean is it was actually when I reached out to you finally, um, was that you had posted about uh, getting engaged uh, recently last week or the week before maybe. And uh, yeah, man, what, what, uh, that's exciting news. Congratulations. And, and what, uh, what is that like for you, man? How, yeah. Talk about just kind of what that means to you to, to get engaged after, you know, being in a wheelchair and and having a spinal cord injury for nine years. Well, thank you. Uh, It's been a wild, wild ride. Uh, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, after spinal cord injury, uh, a lot of people, you know, don't find love again or, you know, don't think people would be interested in them and all that. And that's that's not the ca- I mean, that is the case, but that's not the case because there are people out there. It don't matter if you're in a chair or not. Uh, but, yeah, man, I uh, asked, uh, well, my fiance now, Stephanie, to marry me. Uh, everybody wants to know the story. How'd you guys meet and all that? It was, uh, we met over social media and we started talking. Then uh, it got to texting. Then it was one day I was like, Hey, why don't you uh, FaceTime me? She's like, why you're weird. Like what, why, why we're texting. That's good enough. <laughs> so finally I convinced her to FaceTime me, uh, started FaceTiming every night, uh, every day. And it was like, well, why don't you uh, fly to Ohio to to come see me? And she's n- never been on an airplane in her life. And she was like, no, I've never flown on a plane. You're absolutely out your mind. Huh. So uh, we set it up. She flew to come see me. Uh, and the rest is history. Wow. So, yeah, That's it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a wild two years. And I look forward to the future. That's so cool, man. I, I can see the smile on your face, bro. It looks, uh, yeah. looks super happy. So that yeah. that's awesome, man. That is so awesome. And we're, uh, we're all happy for you. She's definitely uh, got me out of my comfort zone. Like before being in a relationship, you know, I was in a relationship uh, when I was in rehab in Chicago. Old girl I used to talk with. Uh, we started dating all that long story short, it didn't work out. And uh, Stephanie's really got me out of my comfort zone, like getting out and about and, you know, going out to dinner and going out to this function or going to this concert or going out with these people. Uh, because for the longest time, I mean, it was, it was God, seven years. Yeah. Like seven years. I didn't never went to a concert, never went to, you know, professional football games uh didn't really go out and about i'll go out you know to a, a restaurant with my family once in a while and that would be it just because i didn't want to put you know a burden on people like going through a restaurant you know this is a this is a big chair this is a big yeah. power chair like having people having to get up from dinner to move their seats because i'm coming through or you know uh, going to a restaurant and oh well we don't have a ramp you can't get it in yeah like so yeah uh i remember got me out of my company. i remember always feeling like going into restaurants like uh 
I'd have to have somebody feed me. And it's like, that's like, I don't want everybody staring at me. And now I'm just like, I don't give a, you know, like whatever. Oh, Stare oh, if you yeah. want, bro. Like, I don't. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's something that that's really opened Stephanie's eyes is, uh, you know, like even just going through McDonald's, people wave at me like I have a, like there's something mentally wrong with me. And, uh, or we'll be out and about and people are like, like the last concert we just went to two weeks ago when I, I proposed to her, people came up to me and they're like, Oh, how are you? How like talking to me? Like I'm, I'm mentally not there. I'm like, I'm good. They're like, Oh my God, it, you must be so happy to get out. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get out. I can talk or right. we'll be out, you know, at dinner and the waiter comes up to her and they're like, well, what does he want to eat? And she's like, well, why don't you ask him? He can talk. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, hello, I'm here. Sometimes people so, just don't know how to how to relate to, to someone in a wheelchair. Yeah, they are. Oh, like, the, the, the ignorance of, of people in general with people with disabilities. Like, right. yeah, I don't know if they think, you know, I'm a bite or something. But uh, yeah, no, like you can come up to me, talk to me. We can, if you see me out at a bar, come pour some whiskey shots and I'll do a shot and, yeah. you know, smoke some weed. And like, I'm, I'm just like you, just I'm in a chair. Right. So, right. yeah. It's, yeah no, it's, that, that's one of the big reasons why I do this podcast, man, is to, you know, so people can hear how, how amazing uh, folks that are in, you know, in wheelchairs with spinal cord injuries are. So, um yeah man sean i appreciate you coming on the show buddy it's uh it's good to meet you man and and finally get to talk and and yeah you you have a hell of a story and and yeah thank you so much man thank you thank you for having me i greatly appreciate it and you know the story's the story's not over so absolutely well yeah man we'll have to have you back on maybe down the road a little ways after you guys uh get married or something can hear about hear about the wedding and and all that stuff <laughs> right yeah yeah there's no set there's no set date for the wedding yet uh we're just you know taking that part easy and enjoying the engagement and we'll talk wedding and places and all that hopefully in the near future that's so awesome bro well hey man i appreciate you thank you so much for coming on and we will definitely talk again soon absolutely thank you for having me have a good day you too all right, that was Sean Costello. Um, I want to thank him again for yeah, just being so open and um, you know about the, the drug addiction, about uh, you know depression, about you know just overcoming. I mean that that's what this podcast is really all about, guys. Like I just you know is telling these stories and and so people can hear like yeah, it's not crazy to like go through go through some shit. You know what I mean? It's uh it's it, it's a tough 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 and life is tough enough without a spinal cord yeah okay. yeah lift to walk again is a metaphor for moving forward once you're in a wheelchair right right you know good, so. good way of putting that good way of putting that yeah like that. yeah yeah it's, it's it's all about moving forward like you did jeremy you know what's really interesting is that he goes you know i was 12 years old when he started right with his drugs and, and, and hanging out with the wrong people and stuff like that. Yeah. And how many kids do we know that are like that, that age, they're like 12 years old, you know, that can just get dialed in the wrong people. And, you know, his whole story where he has a knock on the door and his friend shows up and he says, no, I don't want to go, but he goes. Right. And it's always that choice. 
You know, you always think about that when you get injured, you know, had I gone left instead of right, had I tackled, you know, with my shoulder instead of dipping down, all these things I'm sure people think about all the time when after an injury, right? And and that's just how life is. And it's just, uh, it's just so, it's just so fragile. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just, you know, every day is just so fragile, you know, and it's been nine years for him. And uh, it's great that he's got a fiance now and that he's uh, moving forward and, you know, and, and that he, he coaxed her out of her shell and, 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 and then again, she has pulled him out of his, which is really, really cool, you know? So, yeah. you know, it's interesting. It's funny yeah. that you brought up the thing about the phone call, because I remember um, after my accident and stuff uh, in the hospital, I remember, uh, so we like, we have a two, like, I live in a two family house. And at the time, Brandon and his mom had just moved, like my accident happened in January of, of uh 1998 and that we had just on january 1st like we had basically were renting this whole house that i now have bought and live in um but we had a different phone number downstairs and we did upstairs i like i got voted to be the one that had to move upstairs with the adults um by brandon and matt so I'm up here anyway. Um, after my accident, a girl who I was very interested at the time of my accident was like, uh, came to the hospital to visit me. And she's just like, oh, the night of your accident, I tried to call you to go to the St. Martin's University basketball game up the street. And I would have like definitely ditched my friends to go hang out with this girl had I got that phone call. But I didn't get like, it's just like the random things, you know, that could change everything yeah exactly you never know you never know yeah so yeah um, yeah so it was a, a great interview it's great that he's you know it'd be good to hear how he's going to do after he gets married you know i know he said he yeah. didn't have a date set and also to um see how he's doing with his son right because yeah. his son was only three years old and now he's 12 years old that's one of the things i was thinking about was what messaging is he giving his son that's now 12 years old right yeah it's got to be you know that's got to be uh that's yeah i'm sure that's got to be stressful for him and yeah i mean his son's a hooper brandon i saw like they were i saw on his Mm. social media they were out at the they were out at the gym playing uh his son he was watching his son's basketball game the other day so um yeah you know good luck to sean and and his and his soon-to-be wife and his son like i'm yeah i'm definitely rooting for him over here and uh yeah, I just thought like what a like I, I just feel like it's a it's a and he delivers the message in such a positive way too. It's not, um, you know, I just I yeah I, I I liked his whole vibe and like you said, Brandon is probably like a guy like we would have been hanging out with in high school and probably making bad decisions too. So yeah, well you know and and like you know his story is that you know the injury didn't change him right away. for him to uh um to to alter his life to where he he saw value in his life you know yeah so yeah so, honestly my, uh, my it, internet it, connection's a little unstable i think we we lost a little well, bit of what you said there Ricardo. it was honestly that that part of the story where <clears throat> in which i was a little bit shocked because i was expecting his injury to 
um, interject his drug in, in his drug addiction. But in fact, it just carried on, and it was a it was a different incident that that stopped it. But um, so it was it was not it was a it was a little bit of a plot twist in the story for me. Uh, and I'm just happy to hear anybody who can make it out of that cycle because um, from what I've witnessed and how many people close to me that I've, I've lost or seen impacted by it, it seems like a, the failure rate is very, very high and damn near impossible to beat. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's uh yeah, it's a salute to him for, for overcoming that. And I'm, I'm sure it's still a battle every day. Yeah. No, man, every day, probably. I never, ever take it for granted. I'm sure. Well, he says that, right? He says he battles with depression where, you know, you just ride into the pond, but what good does that do? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah it's tough, man. Dealing with this, you know, you, you hit a wall. Like sometimes you can be the, the happiest person on earth. And then, you know, it's just like, you can't do one little thing and it just makes you about lose your mind and that's okay, man. You can, you just got to get through it. And uh, but yeah, like I, I definitely appreciate him talking about some real stuff, man, and, and just yeah, letting people know how he deals with it. Yeah, and so when you're having a bad day and you think the grass is greener on the other side, just remember, people, it's just grass. Yeah, it's all the same. Absolutely. It's all the same. Well, yeah, you know, we hope uh, live to walk again. Foundation wants to wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa, whatever, I don't even know what else, man, whatever, whatever it is you uh, believe in or don't believe in or are celebrating, hopefully you're able to get together with some family or friends or uh, acquaintances that you find that you hold dear and, uh, and have a have a wonderful uh, holiday and happy new year. Uh, we will not be back next week. So we're going to take a week off because um, it's hard enough to get these freaking guys over here when uh, it's not a holiday week. So I'm going to uh, just we're just gonna we're gonna skip next week no i'm just kidding and the hits keep coming brandon the hits keep coming i know you guys will man it's all good i'm just joking now we're gonna take next week off and uh celebrate and uh we'll be back jeremy won't even take christmas off he'll be working i would man i would but anyway yeah thank you guys i appreciate both of you thank everybody i want to thank everybody for listening and uh yeah if you can like rate review share all that good stuff we would really appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you next year all right sounds good jeremy peace out everybody